And I want the people listening, their thoughts as well. 916-339-1140 is the text line. You can also give us a phone call at 1-800-920-1140. So 12 seconds left in this game. The Nuggets are down three. They have the ball, two timeouts, inbounding from underneath Miami's basket. Okay. Michael Malone decided to not call a timeout. And we see the end of the game. Jamal Murray takes a step back three. He misses said step back three. Denver loses. A lot of people were questioning whether or not Malone should have taken the timeout and set up a play. Here were uh, Malone's thoughts last night in the postgame. I think it's dependent upon the situation, you know, and um, their half-court defense was giving us a lot of trouble in that fourth quarter. You know, and you take a timeout, you let them get set, you let them review whatever play they think that we're going to run. And there's a great chance that we don't get a quality shot like Jamal got, which was online and from my perspective, looked like it had a great chance of going in. And we've seen Jamal make shots like that before. So um, some nights, yeah, I think, you know, uh, we can take the timeout. Other nights, give our guys the freedom to get out and run. But with how well they were guarding in that quarter and how hard it was for us to uh, generate great looks, I felt in that transition we are going to have the best chance to get the look that we wanted. Did Malone make a mistake by not using one of his two timeouts? No. Um, I, I agreed with it at the time. And even in hindsight, I, I agree. I agree with Malone and his breakdown of the situation there. And on top of that, Nick, I think 12 seconds is enough time to come down. And if if you see that you're not going to get an open shot, you can get down and still call timeout with three or four seconds left if, if you can't find an open shot and then reset things and and draw up a play with plenty of time to get a shot off. I had no problem with it whatsoever, not not at the time because I think Mike Breen even said they're not going to call a timeout. He called he he pointed that out right there in the moment and great job by him as a play-by-play man, not surprisingly one of the best in the game. I he when he said that, I was like, yeah, no, that that made sense to me in in that moment and it still makes sense to me now when you hear his explanation. Look, there's a logical debate to be had here without people screaming over the tops of each other. Uh, I disagree. Or and smacking their yes. lips under each other. Yes. That too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have taken a timeout. And I, I felt this way, similar situation, Celtics 76ers in that series. And Joe Mazzulla decided oh, to was? not. Yeah, I forgot about that. Not take a timeout with uh, two of them in his back pocket. I would take the timeout. And the first reason I would take the timeout is you get the ball at half court. And I understand that. You know, it gives Miami time to maybe set up something defensively. But you get the ball at half court. You can draw up a play. And I think you give your team a better chance to score a bucket when you take a timeout and go over things versus leaving leaving it up into the players' hands. Now, I don't know statistically what it looks like if you don't take a timeout versus taking a timeout. I know for a fact that when Joe Mazzulla took timeouts in those kinds of situations, the Celtics were much, much better offensively than when he did not take a timeout. You've got to have confidence in yourself as a coach. It's always strange to me that the coach says, well, that gives the defense a chance to draw up a, a play and you know a way to defend you. Yeah, no kidding. But guess what? It's your job as the coach to come up with something offensively that will beat that defense. It's up to you to draw up a play that Miami's not ready for. You're calling in to question your own coaching ability when you say, yeah, but you give the chance to the other guy. You have the same chance. Yes, Spolstra had a chance. You had a chance too, Michael. You, you, you can draw up a play 
that could work. Ball at half court to me makes a lot of sense because it saves time. You mentioned 12 seconds. I mentioned 12 seconds. You don't have to dribble the ball up the floor and spend two to three seconds off the clock right. if you call the timeout and you get it at half court. To me, every single solitary second counts because if you miss the shot, Rami, like Jamal did, you in theory have a chance to grab the offensive rebound and have at least a second chance at pushing that game to overtime. If you leave it up to the player, nine times out of ten, the player's going to do what they used to do on video games. Dribble it, dribble it, wait, 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 and then two seconds left, I'm hitting the game winner, baby! And then if he misses, you're done. If he makes it, oh yeah, he looks like the hero. If you if you take the ball out of bounds at half court, you call that timeout, guess what you can do if you're Coach Malone? Hey, fellas, you got to get this shot off with at least five seconds left. We have to get into the action quickly. We can't let the clock dwindle. We need to give ourselves a chance at an offensive rebound. And Jamal Murray did what a lot of players do in this situation. He dribbled, he dribbled, he dribbled. He bounces it, he bounces it, he bounces it. And he bounces it, he bounces it, he bounces it. And then he takes the three, the step back three with like a second and a half left, misses the shot, and Denver has no chance to grab the rebound and maybe get something else. So I would have done it. I would also argue that, you know, if you call a timeout, you can call a couple of different plays. Coaches do that all the time. Hey, guys, here's option one. Here's option two. If option one is shut down, go to option two. You're just leaving it to the Jamal Murray option. It's it's Murray or bust in that scenario that you let play out. And I'd also say people focus on the half-court defense for Miami, and rightfully so. The, you know, the, the zone that I, I said we'd see last night, I thought you'd see it even more. You didn't see it as much as I thought you would see it. But when when they showed that zone, it absolutely impacted the Miami the, the, the Denver Nuggets offense. But let's not act like Miami's not good in transition defense either. Like they are. They are good. They are good on, you know, on transition D. And so they were able to find who they want to defend in the transition and not make it an easy shot for Murray. So I just I look at it, and I would have taken the timeout. I'm not telling you it's the egregious thing to trust your player, to trust your star. I would have taken the timeout. I would have drawn up two or three options. I would have had the ball at half court, not to spend the time to dribble it up the floor. And I would have told my guys, get the shot off with four or five seconds left to give us another chance. Like you said, I think this is a situation where cases can be made for both. I don't have a problem with a coach looking at his guys and and under first of all understanding that they've had trouble with half with the half court defense of the Miami Heat, especially there in that fourth quarter, and thinking that running and and not calling the timeout gives them the best chance to score. And also, Nick, some so often and not just in basketball across the world of sports, we see the arrogance of coaches set them back, hold them back, hold their teams back of, oh, no, I know I know what we need to do here. And I think sometimes it's it's okay to to let go of the wheel yeah. and 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 hand it over to your players and say, I trust you. Go go win this game for us. Now I will say this, your point about shooting with five or six seconds left on the clock, that that's a great point. And that's something I'm screaming from the sidelines. 
If I, if I'm Mike Malone and the coaching staff of the Denver Nuggets, yeah, yeah. which is get a shot, you can. That's something you can communicate from the sideline without drawing up a play. While Jamal Murray is, is dribbling the ball up, Malone or one of his coaches can say, "Get it off with five seconds left. Get a shot off with five seconds left." That's something you can communicate without drawing up a play. But that's a great point. I'll also say shout out to Murray who actually got the shot off, unlike the Celtics, yes. who failed to take a shot in the final seconds that of was, a playoff game. That was mind boggling. Cattles and Rami. He's Rami. I'm Cattles. Sacktown Sports here on a Monday. Uh, the other part of this game was Coach Spolstra's coaching and, and whether or not he wanted to make Nikola Jokic a score last night. The Nuggets, interestingly enough, they are now 0-3 this postseason when Jokic scores 40 or more points. And uh, Ramona Shelburne in the postgame from ESPN uh, had a question for Spo about whether or not, you know, that was kind of the game plan. Set up Jokic as the scorer, not so much passer. This is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when, when teams play against Jokic, you, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he can just the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just, that's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. Twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, <laughs> Oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. We have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. And we, he has our full respect. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Here's why I think Spo pushed back on that. Number one, um, it disrespects his players, right? Like the guys that are defending Jokic, like Bam Adebayo. Oh, just let Jokic score, which makes it feel like Bam can't defend Jokic, right? But there are other reasons. Like people were were hanging on to this idea last night. Look, one of the biggest issues last night was not Jokic, was not how Miami defended Jokic. One of the biggest changes we saw last night was the fact that you had Jimmy Butler defending Jamal Murray for long stretches. And when Murray got into the game, Butler went back into the game. And Miami went with Kevin Love in the starting lineup to allow Butler to defend Jamal Murray. And I thought Butler took Murray out of his rhythm. So that was a big part of it. The other part of it was the zone that I just talked about a few moments ago. Uh, the Nuggets have had issues running their pick and roll with Murray and Jokic against that, against that zone from Miami. And I also thought Miami did a tremendous job of fronting Nikola Jokic at the free throw line to not allow him catches at the free throw line, which, you know, theoretically will open up your offense against a zone. So they did a lot of things that went into the game plan last night. And I think that's Spolstra's overall point, which is like, look, you don't go into a game saying, all right, let's just make Jokic the score. He's going to score 40. We're going to win. No, you have to do other things to impact a game defensively. For sure. And, I think Ramon. I think Eric Spolstra's point is that Ramona Shelburne there is just sort of simplifying it, oversimplifying it when you talk about how to defend Nikola Jokic. But Nick, we talked about this on Friday. The dude is an absolute surgeon, and almost a hundred percent of the time, I'd say ninety-eight percent of the time, is going to make the right call with the ball in his hands. Yeah, and he can do it all. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can pass. So you. You almost do have to pick your poison in terms of what you're going to try and take away from him, and you might not even be successful in that. 
but you do have to pick your poison in, in what you try to take away from him. And I think that's what Ramona Shelburne was getting at there, that, that you'd rather take away his ability to pass the ball and, and involve all his teammates and get Jamal Murray going or get Porter going or get Gordon going. You'd, you'd almost rather take that away from him and let him put up 40-plus points. And wasn't it you that passed along the stat on the group chat this morning? Are they 0-4 now? When Jokic scores forty or more points, oh, and, three. and I don't think there's that's you can necessarily make a direct correlation, but I think that's what Ramona Shelburne was was leading into of like what do you choose to try and take away from Jokic because you can't take it all away because he does everything well. But here's the problem too. Uh, here's a problem with that the narrative of oh make him a scorer not a facilitator. Look, Jokic, Kevin O'Connor had the numbers earlier today. He, he he passed less last night than he has passed on average in the playoffs throughout this run. But it's not like he didn't pass. It's not like he, he didn't find open guys. I mean, sometimes we kind of get a little too far ahead of ourselves here. Uh, you know, part of this is that guys weren't making shots last night. Right, that, like yeah, that, that guys missed some shots. As well. I yeah. saw I saw a string of video of like forty five seconds long. There was at least 10 or 11 passes from Jokic to guys with good shots, and they just missed them. If, if you go 5 for you know, 12, 6 for 12 out of those passes, if there, say there are 12 passes on the video, if you go 6 of 12 there, now all of a sudden Jokic almost has a, you know, 10 assists, and we're not even talking about this. So you also have to make shots. Mm-hmm. It's not just you know, as easy as, oh, make them into a score, and things are going to work out for you just fine. Uh, 916-339-1140 is that text line. Phone number is 1-800-920-1140. You can give us a call. You can text us as well. Your thoughts on Game 2 last night. But coming up in 90 seconds, Dan Feldman of NBC's Pro Pro Basketball Talk will join us. Cattles and Rami. Sactown Sports. Are you ready to hear this on Sacktown? Continue the NBA talk on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. And joining us right now is host of the Dunk Down Prime pod, Dan Feldman, with Cattles and Rami here at Sacktown Sports on this Monday. Dan, thank you for the time. It is much appreciated, my friend. Uh, before we get to the NBA Finals, let's get to this uh, Kyrie LeBron report. Your initial reaction to Kyrie reaching out to James about playing together in Dallas. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like the Lakers are so interested in adding Kyrie. Uh, figuring out the cap of that is a little tougher. Hey, Kyrie wants to play on the best team possible. The Mavericks would be better if they had LeBron. Uh, so why not see if LeBron is interested? I, I doubt it's going to work, uh, but why not try? I had a conspiracy theory that I thought was brilliant, and then my co-host went, yeah, everybody, everybody had that theory. Rami, you're not that smart, which was that we've seen the reports that the Lakers aren't interested in Kyrie, as as you just alluded to. Maybe this is LeBron's way of saying to the Lakers, hey, if uh, I can't play with Kyrie in Los Angeles, maybe I'll go play with him in Dallas and force your hand to let me go do that. Do you think that could be a possibility? Uh, could be, and you could combine that with the uh, with LeBron. I mean, himself basically saying he's considering retirement, mm-hmm. uh, right? That that gives him a lot of leverage in trade talks. The Mavericks don't have many assets. You know, they traded 
uh, a first rounder, some of their their good players to get Kyrie Irving. So they're short on assets. Uh, but if you're the Lakers and your choices are, hey, you can get back Josh Green and Jaden Hardy, and uh, the Mavericks do have the number ten pick this year, and they can trade a future first round pick and maybe a few swaps. It's not that appealing. But if your choices are that, or LeBron says he's going to retire, uh, then it becomes a tough choice. So sure, that's possible. Um, I'm just not so sold that LeBron is all in on it's got to be Kyrie Irving. I think LeBron James wants to win. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of time left to do that. You look at his age, uh, the time is now if it hasn't passed already. And so he wants the Lakers to make moves to go in now. And, hey, Kyrie's a good player right now and could help. And he has experience winning with Kyrie. I'm sure that would appeal to him. But I've never viewed it as LeBron saying, I need to play with this guy. He just wants to win. If the Lakers can come up with an alternative plan to add help to the roster, I doubt LeBron would have a problem with that. Dan Feldman with us. Dan, you know, just to to really drive this home, when you're looking at all these reports coming out of L.A., it certainly sounds like the Lakers are thinking, let's run this thing back. Rui Hachimura, some of the pieces that they got at the deadline. Um, Let's run this thing back with LeBron and A.D., And as you mentioned, the retirement thing after they lost to the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, now maybe this. Do you think L.A. and Rob Palenka eventually succumb to some of this LeBron passive-aggressive pressure and make a bigger move than what might be anticipated right now? I hope so. They should. LeBron is right in this. You know, they they should be trying to win right now. They shouldn't be hedging their bets on, oh, well, we want to have, you know, somebody who's still in their 20s who's going to be pretty good in five, six (laughs) years. Who cares about five to six years? You have a chance to win a title right now. I think they should have gone more in aggressively this year. I think they should go in aggressively next year. You got to find the right move. I don't know exactly what trades, who's available for what. Uh, but LeBron is right. I, I think the Lakers should listen. They've resisted so far, and you kind of got the thought of them thinking, well, maybe last year wasn't the year, but LeBron's still going to be good next year. We could do it next year, and uh, that's possible, but the, the bigger sense you get is they're trying to take a long-term vision. I just don't think that makes sense when your best player is 38 years old. Let's get into these NBA Finals. How much of a chance were you giving Miami before the series started, and how much of a chance do you give them now after snatching one in Denver? I gave him a, a puncher's chance going in. It's probably pretty similar right now. The Nuggets have been the better team than the Heat basically all season. They were the better team the regular season. They were probably the better team in the playoffs, so the Heat definitely raised their level of play in the playoffs. And combined in these two games, I guess you'd probably say the Nuggets have been the better team between these two games. And so, yeah, sure, Miami got one in Denver. That matters. The, the Heat are a competitive team. They're a well-coached team. Uh, they've got veterans who, who've been there. They're cohesive. They got all the things you'd want for a team looking to pull an upset. Uh, but I also think, yeah, this would probably be an upset still if Miami wins. Dan Feldman, host of Dunk Down Prime, is with us here on the uh, Folsom Lake Honda Hotline. Dan, uh, speaking of Miami, does it really matter who they play right now if they keep making shots the way they've made shots in the Eastern Conference Finals and in last night's game? When, when you say who they play, do, do you mean their own rotation or who their opponent is? Who their is? opponent is. Doesn't well, matter if they're making the, shots like they made against the Celtics and like they made last night. They won by three last night. And right. so I'm going to answer yes. You know, they barely won because the Nuggets are a hell of an offensive team, too. I mean, the, the Nuggets with, with Jokic is uh, maybe the best passer we've ever seen. He's up there. Uh, phenomenal individual score. Uh, just drives really efficient offense. 
Uh, and then Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., super talented. I love what Aaron Gordon does as a cutter. His energy, Contavious Caldwell-Pope can make stops. Just they're a high-level offensive team in a way that basically nobody else in the NBA is. Uh, so if anybody can keep up with even the hot shooting heat, it's Denver. Was that Michael Malone hinted at and didn't even hint. He said after the game their energy wasn't good enough. Their compete level wasn't good enough. Was that more about Miami stepping up or what Denver wasn't doing to to try and stop them or slow them down? Uh, Probably a little bit of both. I I think I'm giving the Heat more credit on that. The Heat play really hard. They they play tough. They, They play with the physicality. Um, in a way that's not easy to match, even if you're trying really hard to. I don't think this was uh, the most focused uh, game that I've seen from the Nuggets, uh, but I, I'm leaning toward giving Miami more credit for how that went. Dan, we saw a lot last night of this uh, make Jokic a score narrative. Uh, what do you make of it? I think it's real, and I think uh, – I don't know if you guys have played the uh, – the Eric Spolster soundbite when Ramona mm-hmm. Shelburne of ESPN asked him about, it. he's like, Oh, that's for people who, who don't really understand the game. And, you know, I, I think he was uh, protesting a little bit too much. And I also think he was somewhat responding to something that wasn't quite what she was asking, or at least isn't quite what the discussion is. Is it easy to prevent Jokic from being a passer? No, not at all. Even when that's your game plan, it's hard to execute. But I think what's real is trying to make that your game plan, doing your best to make it so it's harder for him to pass and saying, oh, if he's going to score to beat us, that's what we'd rather live with. I, I think Denver's offense probably isn't quite as strong when it's too much Jokic scoring. And I think there are things that he can do to make it shift that way. Now, Jokic is so good. The next game, the Heat might do all those same things. And the next game, Jokic might still pick them apart as a passer. That's not something – that's kind of what I think Spolster was saying was we can't stop him from passing. But I do think they can tilt their defense in that direction. I think they're trying to. That that was going to be my next question. Is is the philosophy now the rest of the series make Jamal Murray and, and the rest of the Denver Nuggets beat you and, and don't let Jokic do it all? To a degree. But I think one of the underrated things the Heat do – is they vary their defense. One of the big ways they do that gets a lot of attention is playing zone. And I think uh, the reaction, this is just one example of how they do it, but the reaction after game one was, hey, the heat zone was pretty effective, but the Nuggets got a lot of good shots, so you can't really bet on that working again just because it happened to work in game one. The Nuggets probably just miss makeable shots. But what the Heat do defensively is they throw so many different things at you, you're uncomfortable. Even if it kind of looks like a shot that's a good shot, just based on who's shooting it and the distance from the basket and how open they are, you generally would classify as a good shot. They're coming off rhythm. They're coming at angles players aren't used to. It just throws you off just a little bit. So, yes, that makes sense as an overall theory. Hey, try and make Jokic more of a score than a passer the best you can. But also the Heat are going to come at different angles. There are going to be times when they're going to be daring Jokic to pass, and he's been so focused on being the scorer because the Heat have taken the other thing away. Uh, It's going to be a challenge to adjust and readjust and readjust. Dan, great stuff, man. Always appreciate your time. Let's do this again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There goes Dan Feldman, host of the uh, Dunk Down Prime Pod. He, of course, was on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. So uh, Dan does believe in the make Jokic a score narrative, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how Jokic and how the Nuggets will respond on Wednesday when they're in Miami and if uh, Michael Malone cooks something up because, look, Spolster's the best coach in the NBA. 
and we'll see what Malone has up his sleeve because Malone's been really good this postseason too. Thought he should have taken the timeout last night, but overall he's been really, really good. And like you said, like we both said, you can see both sides of that decision. Like that wasn't an open and shut case of he should have called the timeout or he should not have called the timeout. There's a case to be made for both. Coming up, do we still believe NBA super teams is a smart way to go? Last two to three years, I would say that uh, the super teams have dwindled and the focus really in the NBA has been super combos. Dwindled is a nice way to put it. Some might say have gone up in a blaze of glory yeah. in, in some cases. Some would say that uh, they've completely disappeared. Yes. But we're talking in the NBA now super combos, right? We're talking Tatum Brown. We're talking Murray Jokic. We're talking AD LeBron. We're talking Kyrie and Luka. These twosomes, KD and Devin Booker, these superiorly talented twosomes, tag teams, right? That's what we've been talking about the last couple of years. You go back six, seven, eight years ago, everybody and their mother was talking about super teams this and super teams that. A little bit different now. And today we get this report from Sham Sharania about Kyrie Irving speaking recently to LeBron James about joining Kyrie in Dallas. Here was uh, Shams on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, I mean, the reality is it's it's probably very unlikely because of the reasons you just Whoa. mentioned. Like, LeBron James, for everything reasons. I've heard, is, is, is like, he's happy um, with, you know, with L.A., being in L.A. His son, Bronny, is about to play at USC. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why being a Laker, retiring as a Laker, makes a lot of sense for LeBron James. And I think you know, probably even when Kyrie Irving, you know, the crux of the story is that Kyrie Irving is trying to recruit LeBron James to, to potentially come to Dallas, see if he would be open to coming to Dallas. I'm told he's formally reached out, uh, made contact with LeBron James to seek whether James would be open to it. When you're friends with somebody, mm-hmm. what is the difference between reaching out and formally reaching out? Um, Did Kyrie start the conversation like, hey, LeBron, uh, I'm formally reaching out as a member of the Dallas Mavericks basketball team this past season. Maybe it's which phone you call him from. Oh, like, are you, I like are you that. calling from the personal phone? I like that. Or from the professional phone. See, JJ you know is, I mean? JJ's yes. a multiple phone guy. Exactly. I'm not. No, me neither. I got one phone. I'm not important enough. JJ's got a game. He got two phones. Exactly. Might even have three. I don't one know. One for work, one for home. Could be working on four. <laughs> um, so maybe it is the phone, right? LeBron sees like uh, Kyrie's business phone. He's like, "Here we go, this baby." Is a, this is him formally reaching out. Here's the conversation this is a about Dallas. Reach out. Yes. yes. If it was the personal See, number, you think <laughs> LeBron picks up the phone? And is like, this feels kind of formal, Kyrie. Is it? Is this formal? Is this formal right now? Uh, so that that was, was Shams. It a FaceTime. Was it a call? Was it a text? Which one is it? That you was know? Shams earlier, and and. Uh, uh, Rami found this that I, I found to be uh, interesting. Rami found uh, LeBron talking about Luka recently. Mm-hmm. And, and here's what LBJ had to say about huh? Doncic. Luka is one of my favorite players in the NBA today. Mm. From the simple fact of the way I play the game is exactly how I love the way he plays the game. Team first, gets his guys involved. If you challenge me to score, I'm going to score. And at the same time, I'm going to score. And also, at the same time, I'm going to keep my guys involved. But I only I play for the team, and I'm going to play with a sense of joy. All right. So if, and this is a gigantic if, if LeBron, Luka, and Kyrie got together in Dallas, this would be obviously those three individuals thumbing their nose 
at how the game has moved away from the super team, believing that a super team could still work. Some say super teams are overrated. Rami, do you think super teams are overrated? No. No, I don't. And I don't think NBA teams are going to go away from them, not by choice at least, anytime soon. Now, we've seen that this this new CBA and the new luxury tax rule is almost basically a hard cap, and that's one of the things many people are saying will get in the way of, of putting together this, this trio, potentially, yeah. of LeBron, Kyrie, and Luka. So the league is is trying to move away from the super team in terms of Adam Silver and the rules committee, but that will teams will find a way if there is a way to put together as many stars as they possibly can. Are They'll you saying if there's a will, there's that. a way? Is yes, you, yeah. and play and stars will always be drawn to each other. Nick, that's like that's like, that would be like saying, can you have enough? Can you have enough money? You know, can you can can you be rich enough? Will will people stop trying to 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 accrue as much wealth as they possibly can? No, no, absolutely not. That pe- teams will always be trying to stockpile as much talent, as many superstars, as much star power as they possibly can, and it not working in a few instances isn't going to scare anybody off. If anything is going to scare anybody off, like I said, it'll be the money of these new luxury tax rules, but. These front offices can find ways around that and make this thing happen. Here's part of the media's issue, and I'll get to the whole idea of the CBA a little bit later on here. But the the big issue here with the media, when we talk about super teams, super teams are not monolithic. It depends on the super team. It depends on the fit. You go back to the Celtics' big three. They all fit. Ray Allen was a shooter. He was a catch-and-shoot guy. Paul Pierce was the creator, the wing. KG was the front court guy who was going to defend and, and be the team player. Durant going to the Warriors worked because those guys were willing to subjugate their egos. They didn't have to have super high, crazy usage every single night. They were fine with sharing the ball because their offense is predicated on ball movement and man movement. The Miami Heat with Chris Bosh, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade. They were three different players. Again, you had Bosch, who was the front court presence who could stretch the floor. You had the LeBron, you know, powerful, big-framed wing. You had Dwayne Wade, who would kill you in the mid-range, and he was a creator. He was a super athletic guard. It depends on the fit. It depends on the fit. Not every super team, quote-unquote, is going to work, especially if that super team's a bad fit. If you're just throwing talent together and saying, figure it out, it's not always going to get figured out. You also have to pay attention to the egos. And I would say that, you know, these super teams, they tend to be a little bit older because, you know, they're not on their rookie contracts. They're now not on their super max deals that they can only get from that one team. The next CBA is a big thing, though. And I do think the next CBA will, for all intents and purposes, kill the super team idea. And it's not that, you know, you have trouble putting three guys together. It's... And I don't want to glaze people's eyes with with this CBA talk, but if you reach the tax apron, which is like $175 million in your salary cap, teams like the Clippers, the Warriors, this year the Celtics, uh, the Nets in the past, if you're one of those teams, the problem with the new CBA is that it cripples your ability to build around those three guys, to supplement those three guys. What do I mean? Okay, new CBA. If you're in that tax apron, no mid-level exception. 
No tax mid-level, no mid-level at all. No mid-level exception is allowed. If you're going to trade, you need to trade a player at his salary for an equal salary or less. You also cannot combine contracts to go trade for a guy if you're a tax apron team. So if you bring in Luka and LeBron and Kyrie, you can't combine two or three other contracts to bring in somebody who's worth $25 million. You can't do that anymore. There are a lot of things that are going to handcuff teams. And, yeah, you could put three guys together, but the rest of your team is going to be crap. It. Yeah. So that's the issue. I'm glad you explained all that. I can't follow salary cap stuff. That's the issue. Can't do it. Is that all of these little tricks of the trade that teams have made to, you know, build up teams. Trade exceptions. Guess what? Apron team, those won't exist. You can no longer trade a big contract. Do I what apron team means now? Yeah, $175 million. Oh, God. One more. Why do they make it so difficult? I don't know why they make it so difficult. But if you're one of those teams... I mean, we just keep it simple. If it's a super team, you're most likely one of those teams. You can not You can no longer take somebody like Tim Hardaway Jr., for example, and trade him to Oklahoma City, into Oklahoma City's cap space, and you get the trade exception that is worth the amount of Hardaway's contract. Trade exceptions don't exist for those teams anymore. Mm-hmm. It's going to get very difficult for teams like the Warriors, the Clippers, the Celtics, these teams that are... The, you know, the hierarchy, the Lakers are going to get, you know, be there. Be very difficult for those teams. All right, we're going to re- overreact after the uh, sports weekend we had coming up. <laughs> it's Monday. And we all have an opinion on what happened. Let's get a reaction. Are you ready to crown a champ yet? That team's unbelievable. It's the best team I've seen in years. Has your favorite team thrown in the towel? They're horrible. Overreaction Monday. Don't forget to catch us on YouTube, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports 1140. When you swing by, give us that thumbs up. Always appreciate the likes. More likes means more eyeballs. And especially being outside of the uh, King season, more eyeballs, never a bad thing. I need to be liked. This is a constant struggle in my life. Yes. So, uh, youtube.com, Sacktown Sports. 1140. I need you to watch me, to hear me, to follow me, and to like me. Please. I have a void inside of me that needs filling. All right. We're getting a little too desperate here. We got to, at some point, stop that. That was just a moment of honesty. Tin Lamb asks. I'm sorry, you can't take it. Tin Lamb <laughs> asks this in the uh, YouTube chat. <laughs> Has the onesie been auctioned? Were you guys supposed to auction off the onesie? Was there talk about auctioning off Simone's onesie? A onesie? I, I don't know. I, I was out for two weeks. I have no idea what he's what he's talking about. Okay. Yeah, she had the snuggie or something at one time. We didn't. There was nothing that had to okay. go along with that. <laughs> all right. Okay. I don't re- don't remember this at all. I remember the snuggie. Total gap in my memory. You have to remember the snuggie. She wore a snuggie. I don't think Rami to was work? here. I don't remember Simone. She wore a snuggie to work. You weren't here. Yeah, Rami wasn't so. here. You missed, I would have remembered that. You missed the uh, Simone snuggie day. Oh, I think that's when you were in Vegas. Oh, well, you weren't in Vegas. You just took the day off before you to went recover to Vegas. from Vegas. No, before oh, to you prepare went to Vegas. for Vegas. Yeah, my which, staging, which I, my which, staging day. Which honestly, I found a little strange. I just wanted a long weekend. Yeah, just but you were getting that. You had Monday off. No, I mean, I wanted a four-day weekend. Okay, and I had the time to use, All so right. I did. 
See, I'm one of those people that like uh, if I take vacation days, I I got a plan. Oh no, I don't mind. I will take, not be in the same city. As a matter of fact, I might have a few of them coming up. I don't mind taking a day and just doing nothing with it. Not just, a yeah, not a big believer in staycations and just sitting down. And like doing go whatever. get a nice lunch somewhere, nice cup of coffee. Sit yeah. sit outside somewhere, have a good cup of coffee, walk the dog, work out, just relax, watch some TV. Love a good staycation day. All right, uh, let's get into our Monday overreactions, Rami. All here right, on Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports. Uh, I'll start off. Gabe Vincent is worth $20 million a year in free agency this I summer. I had this as a potential overreaction. Give that man $20 million a year. Super I've seen max. enough. I've seen Super enough. max for Gabe Vincent. Give that man his money. What's he make this year? i got to look this up. Uh, I think it's... Couple million, I'm guessing something like that. It's it's. I mean, for sports salaries, it's paltry. This man is making 1.8 million dollars. He's going to make 20 times that this offseason. 20 million a year. He's 26 years old. Let's get it done. Wow. Former Stockton King. By the way, his uh, his brother starting a medical residency with somebody who lives in my building. Really? <laughs> I learned last night. Yes. That's super random. While out at the grill. <laughs> I know. I know. How do you even get into that conversation? We were talking about the finals and Gabe Vincent and what he's doing. And the guy was like, yeah, his brother is starting a re- – he's a doctor, the guy I was talking to. He's like, his brother is starting a residency with me right now. Wow. I know. Those parents got to be proud, right? <laughs> yeah. Son is on the way to being the MVP of the finals and the other one starting his residency to be a doctor? I guess so. That's good parenting right there. It's really good parenting right there. Well done to the Vincents. All right. So Gabe Vincent, $20 million a year. Free agency this summer. Book it. I know we don't talk a lot of baseball here, Nick. Have you been watching baseball? Have you been paying attention to what's going on in the world of baseball? Not a ton. Okay. Well, this, Not as much as I would like. One of Well, it seems like the story of the American League, especially when they were on like an 11 or 12 game win streak, was the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. The Texas Rangers, this is my overreaction, are the greatest offense. Their offense is ridiculous. In the history of offenses. They have 376 runs. I do know this. Yeah, I do They've know They've only that. played 58 games. They have 376 runs. Yeah. I'm not going to do the math, but that's more than six runs a game. And their run differential, Nick, is plus 152. Yeah. Which is, that's 30 runs better than the Rays, who everybody was talking about. And legitimately a good 100 runs better when you're talking about run differential than most of baseball. They, they lead the league in run differential, batting average, OBP, runs. Uh, they're second in slugging. They're second in OPS. Oh, and by the way, they're starting pitchers. Second in the RA, third in whip or whip. It's the greatest baseball team in the history of baseball teams. Till they don't make the playoffs. Till they don't make the playoffs, yeah. How many wins do they get? Uh, let's see. They're at 38 right now. Uh, I say they'll get to. I, th- I think they'll get to ninety. But Jay is right; they're in a tough division. I don't think the Mariners are out. The Astros are just three, three and a half games behind them. You of course have to factor in the A's, and their oh, twelve course. wins. Of yeah. course, yeah, have to factor. I mean, you, in know, you always have to be ready for that late charge from you the Athletics. You never know. You never know when a good yeah! a, a good charge is coming from those Oakland A's. They come you know? up with like a, you know your just your typical fifty three hey, game win streak hey, at some point. You just never know what happens between now and the trade deadline. <laughs> you know what I mean? Magic can happen, Magic. my friend. Absolutely. All right, so that's your overreaction, JJ. You got one? 
Yeah, you guys are going to talk about this a little later, but I'm going to jump out in front of it. Sam Cassell will be your new head coach of the Boston Celtics. Wow. Sam Cassell. Do you think that's part of his thought process? That's got to be part of the thought process, right? Like, he's not thinking I'm going to be the coach, but he's thinking like, yeah, if they get off to a slow start mm-hmm. by all-star, by the all-star break, mm-hmm. I might be the guy. <laughs> Back around with this guy, yeah. Celtics a very, very, very desirable spot for assistant coaches, obviously. You would think, think so, It's yeah. a team that went to the finals last year. One game away from getting to the finals again this year. Tatum and Brown. Um, owners are willing to pay. Is that Sam where the, Cassell. Uh, I'm looking up at the TV and I'm very easily. Is that where the Las Vegas Golden Knights Yeah, play? you just look like Oz. <laughs> you tilted your head at the TV, and I could hear like an audible. You know oh. what I'm realizing? Uh, as a, oh. a lot of stuff has been happening. I know this has nothing to do with overreaction Monday, and I'm sorry. A lot of stuff happening in Vegas lately, like I, just dismissing JJ's overreaction. My bad. I, again, I'm 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 a child. I'm easily distracted. There was a whole side of Vegas that we just did not like the strip that we just did not go to or see. South for the North. <laughs> What's that? Uh, the side where, like, the MGM Grand is, that Las Alf? Vegas Knights Arena yeah. is. Oh, T-Mobile Arena. Missed that. What's the uh, pyramid-shaped casino? The Luxor. The Luxor. Yeah. We didn't see that. We didn't see New York, South. New York. South side. Uh, missed all that. I don't know how we just. I think I missed that, too. I don't know how we just missed a whole side. I've been twice, and I think I missed it both times. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, now that just you bring a, that up. Just a whole side of the like script. I was like Bellagio, Caesars, and that that kind yeah, of thing. We yeah, we saw Caesars, we saw the Paris. Uh, middle to the north. The whole thing. Uh, the Venetian, all that. When yeah. I thought that was the whole script. We walked no, up and no. down it two, three, four times. You miss MGM, Mandalay Bay, the park, New Dude, York, New York, Excalibur. We literally. And I'm not. Canada where the AIDS are trying to build. I'm not. I'm not kidding. We literally, I, my uh. step counter said we walked 16 miles oh, yeah. in the two days that we were in Vegas. You're going to walk in Vegas. How did we not see any of that? How did we miss all that? I'm sorry. Just, I just got distracted. My bad. What were we doing? Here's the thing. Yes. You could go back. Yeah, we will. It's not going to fall off the map, hopefully. That's what, I I said when, that's what I said when we left. I was like, we can come back to this yeah. place 10 times and it's a different trip. every. It's like a different place every time. Come with me to BravoCon. Good luck. <laughs> Still in the Bravo Cinematic Universe. I'm going to put it in, in the maybe category, Simone. You can go ahead and say no. You don't have to disappoint it. I know. <laughs> Simone's a big girl. I'm a big girl. Take, gonna take put care you of in the maybe category. Maybe as in no chance in hell am I going to do I that. told you. I have been getting into, but this isn't Bravo, but it's the same genre. I can't tell you. I can't, selling I can't possibly, I can't possibly uh-huh. tell you uh-huh. how thrilled I was. That I missed the whole Vanderpump rule thing. Oh, stop it. I was thrilled. During a very tough time, that, that made me smile. <laughs> At least I don't have to put up with that crap. I don't have to put up with that. It was great. We were trending. It was, it was really powerful. You do know. You do know that you are just following along this ridiculous trend. They have they have three. Do I have this right? They had three Uh-oh. reunion shows. Someone's been keeping up. <laughs> oh my god! No, I yes. saw a commercial on whatever the hell is it on Peacock. I had Peacock yep. on last night, yep. and they were showing a promo, and they're yep. like, 
the reunion they really part had three. three. They really needed to have No, three. Simone, they're soaking you and you love it. <laughs> and is it, aren't all three like three hours each? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. They're all right. each an hour. There's no show that needs three reunion shows. They filmed for like 12 hours. If you got the content, put That's it out there. That's great torture, man. To put, they gave to, them lunch. It's fine. To put people on a set and film and interview them for 12 straight, that's straight up torture. Oh, they're gaining that's so in, many that's followers, making a huge coin. Oh it's fine. God. They're I mean, those great. All of you, all we of you like Chappelle sad. show. I smoke rock, Tony. <laughs> all of you just, be sad. All you just can't get enough of the Vanderpump rules. I don't know what's going to happen next season. I'm going to enjoy it while it's here because I don't know where we're going Hopefully next. it never happens again. Stop it. You take that back. Simone, have you started uh, selling Sunset? Yeah, I you fell have. asleep. Really? Yeah. Three reunion shows. I don't know if it's just a writer's strike or what. But Do you so. have like three high school reunions in the same year? You had three college <laughs> reunions? Have you been to any One high school reunions? One wasn't good enough? No. I haven't been to any high school no. reunions. No. I don't even know how you're contacted for a high school reunion. Oh. It's got to be social network. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Mine was, my 10 year was for the COVID stuff, so I missed it. Mm. I wouldn't go even if I did get the invite. My 20 year was like so That's booty. True. It was like, uh, I didn't go, but it was like they... I don't know, like two or three people from the... I don't know. How do these people get anointed the leaders of the class? I don't like... Because they're the only ones who want to do arbitrarily it? like, we are doing this for that. What, what do you... Who made you the king and queen of this thing? Especially now. I'm a grown-ass man. Yeah, like you were a king and queen at the prom, but now all of a sudden, 20 <laughs> years later, you're, you're putting the plan together? Was this a democracy? How the hell did this happen? They knew you wouldn't do it. So they stepped Damn up right. and did it right. I mean... Nick, you want to throw it? Nope. <laughs> Not even close. Nope. Everybody I wanted to see and stay in touch with post high school, I still see and keep that in part. touch with. That part. <laughs> you, know I mean? you really believe that? Yes. Nah, I don't believe that. 100%. There's got to be a couple people There's a that lot you, of people that I don't yeah, talk to that yeah. I, I'd like to. Of I would course. like to see some people. I, I like, doubt hey. that, yeah. Mm. I to feel me, like I'm too tapped in. I'm still seeing people on Instagram, Facebook. Like, I'm, I'm too tapped yeah, in see, and I, I don't haven't seen Facebook you in years. I don't do the Facebook thing. Yeah, Facebook seems to be the place where you can keep up with I've people like that. And I don't. I walked I'm away never years ago. On Facebook. I had enough of Facebook years ago. I'll pop on like once every like seven months if I have like something to say. Then I mean like something family wise or not like you know. Hey everybody, I just went to so and so. Kelly does that. Kelly, you know, Kelly's on Facebook every day on her phone. Yep. The thin, the index finger swipe. <laughs> Attacking the phone, I'm like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> I think the only satisfaction I could line just watches dog videos. That's what she does. I mean, dog videos are pretty. She great. Just can't. That's half my Twitter timeline. I can't lie. And Instagram. Well, Simone's class has to feel very fortunate that she's not running it because she would, <laughs> following the Vanderpump rules, she'd be like, "Oh, we need five nights of reunions, <laughs> twelve hours. We need a twelve-hour reunion. This is night one, everybody. It's be ready for night two. Entertainment, baby. Look it up." Mm. 12 hours is too much. Simone. Three reunions. Three reunions is too much. Oh, it's beautiful. I had case you haven't had enough of the first one. Beautiful thing. MTV Wednesday. Real World, you should have Wait, one reunion. They're not done yet? You want to no. see Puck? You get Puck Wednesday one more time. Wednesday is the third one. Wow. Oh, it's still going on? Yes. This is like a whole month never ago. Ending. God bless. No. Was this and the it, last season, Simone, or are these people coming hopefully. back together? That's hopefully. what I. That's the crisis, is that we've it's gotten not a all of this... Scandal, and then I don't know where we're going next from it. It's so not a crisis. Let's all pray that we can figure out a way. It's only through. a crisis for you people that are, you know, wanting more, wanting more of it. There are a lot of them. There are a lot of them. 
I made a reunion. Calling them you people, that's... <laughs> I just audibly heard Simone yell slash gasp from behind the glass. <laughs> and this is supposed to be soundproof. And I heard, <laughs> I heard a faint... <laughs> You did drop. You did drop. You said you people who watch this oh stuff. You did God. drop a you people. I'm just saying. Wait, are, are you trying to get me fired? Is that your is that your goal today? <laughs> I'm one of the best friends. <laughs> it's just some loaded language, is that man. Your That's goal? All is that your goal you today? Behind the glass. <laughs> I'm sorry. God. That's necessary. <laughs> That'll be a great time for a break. You think? I happen to agree. Let's do it. Cattles. And Rami. Sacktown Sports.